This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Appreciate you tuning in today. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Matthew 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Those words were said by Jesus there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. I think they're well known and speak to the impossibility of being duplicitous, uh, having a divided loyalty between two things, two entities, two idols. Jesus says you're either devoted to one or the other. You have one master in your life. Either it is yourself, it is someone else, it is money, as might be the case here, or it is it is God. But there's room for only one. There's room for only one. As we continue our series in Proverbs uh, today, we are thinking about financial wisdom. And so I think that's a good good passage to, to start off with. As, as has been mentioned previously in the series, we are uh, going topically now through the book of Proverbs, looking at all the little uh, sayings that Solomon has with regard to various topics, whether it be marriage or sex or money or debt or relationships or friendship or whatever the case may be, jobs, as we've been uh, thinking about in the last couple of weeks, wisdom on the job. Now we're going to shift into uh, financial wisdom and thinking about what Solomon has to say, what the Holy Spirit has to say with regard to money, handling money, uh, and trying to learn what we can from that. So we live in just a uh, let me start by saying we live in a, a you know an economic powerhouse. Our country, United States, where I'm broadcasting this from, it's has one of the highest standards of living in the world. Uh, may not have the highest, but it's but it's up there. And there's certainly you know other other countries, um, developing and developed countries that have high standards of living and have lots of goods and services just at their fingertips. The populace does, and uh, it's it's easy to fall I think into the trap of you know, the age-old trap of idolatry where we are worshiping materialism, the golden calf of materialism, for lack of better terminology. And this is a, a temptation, and Jesus knew it, it would be a temptation all the way back, you know, during his time on earth, speaking as a man, of course, being the eternal God, he knows he knows his creation better than, better than anyone. And so he knows that this is going to be a t- temptation. And when physical prosperity comes and we are blessed with so many uh, goods and services and material things and homes and, and clothes and an abundance of food, whatever the case may be, that this is a, it's a temptation to, uh, as Moses said in Deuteronomy 8, think that it's a, the result of our doing, that it's all about uh, us and we must be doing something right if God is... Uh, blessing us in, in this way. In Matthew nineteen twenty two and 23, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, it is difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so a man's attitude toward money and wealth reveals much about his character. It reveals much about his character. And applying the wisdom of Proverbs shapes our attitude into more into a more godly one, into an attitude that, that God expects us to have and knows us for our benefit. And we, we will learn to use wisdom, his wisdom as we acquire and spend and save money. And you know, most financial problems, like pretty much all temporal problems that we have, whether we're talking about 
uh, disease and suffering or abuse or whatever the case may be, um, financial problems being in that category as well, are ultimately the result of spiritual problems. A lot of a lot of times, not in every case, uh, of course. You know, as was true with Jesus, he was uh, a man of sorrows and afflicted and impoverished and had no place to rest his head. But uh, th- that certainly wasn't the result of spiritual issues uh, that that he had. So a good biblical principle to start with is to remember that everything belongs to God. Psalm 24 and verse 1, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he is the source of every good thing that, that we have in this life, whether that's a spiritual blessing or physical blessing. James 1.17, uh, he is every good and perfect gift is from the Father of lights, and James says. So uh, it is it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Proverbs 10 and verse 22. So if we are blessed with abundance, we should remember that, first of all, everything belongs to God. He is the source of every good every good thing, uh, and we should be thankful. And as Moses said in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, it is God who is giving us power to make wealth. That's what he wanted the people there to remember. As they were coming into the land and they were going to have wells that they didn't dig and vineyards that they didn't plant and houses that they didn't build and all these things that he's naming off there and all this abundance, he's making, he's wanting them to remember that it was God who was responsible for this. It wasn't by your own strength. Uh, it was God who gave you this land and he's now giving you the power to continue to make wealth. So having having an abundance isn't wrong. Having money isn't wrong. Being rich, being wealthy in and of itself, having a lot of money, it's not a, a bad thing, not evil. Right. The prevailing formula, however, from a lot of people in various societies seem to be, you know, rich equals evil, rich equals evil. But that's that simply isn't biblical. There's rich people who are evil. There's poor people who are evil. And we can find variations on the on the theme. So just saying someone is bad because they have a lot of money simply isn't isn't biblical. One can be wealthy and righteous just as one can be poor and sinful and vice versa. So we have lots of examples of of men like Abraham and Job and David, you know, among others who were wealthy people by their own right and, you know, in, in their times. But these these men are remembered, also remembered for their faith, primarily remembered for their for their faith. David being a man after God's own heart. And James mentions the patience and endurance of Job and Abraham, the father of the faithful, Romans chapter 4. So uh, he's held up a number of times in the text as an example of faith. So the Bible, the Bible is not so concerned about wealth as it is one's attitude towards wealth. The Bible is not so concerned about wealth as it is one's attitude towards it. It is the love of money, not money itself. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. So money can be used wisely to glorify God, or it can be used to uh, dishonor Him and to dishonor self, and it can be spent in a total abandon in pursuit of pleasure and power and gaining influence and things like this. We see that playing out every day, right? You just turn on the news, you see it, you see that playing out. Uh, and perhaps it's playing out in our own lives, right? We don't have to look externally. Maybe we look to ourselves and we understand, well, you know, maybe I'm in I'm in bad financial shape because I I am spending my money unwisely in in pursuit of pleasure or in pursuit of a more power influence or something like this. So here are some things that Solomon says just in general about wealth uh, from from the book of, of Proverbs. 
So Solomon teaches, first of all, that wealth is a reward of wisdom in Proverbs 8.21. This is the middle of a thought where Lady Wisdom is speaking about the benefits and consequences of adhering to her and and finding wisdom and getting wisdom. Uh, She says, To endow those who love me with wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. So that's one of the, biblically, wealth is is a reward of wisdom and gaining wisdom. Uh, Solomon observes that the rich uh, wealthy people have more friends. Again, generally speaking, Proverbs fourteen twenty: the poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. Proverbs 19 and verse 6, many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. So again, Proverbs are, are generalisms uh, and have to be taken as, as such. There's exceptions to every rule. And also Solomon is not condoning uh, such behavior just in making these observations. And this isn't a commentary. You know, Solomon's not giving a commentary on the quality of the friends mentioned. He's simply observing the fact and describing the reality of, of the world, that wealthy people have a lot of friends. There's a lot of people seeking to gain their favor. Uh, he also observes that wealth can help you survive calamity. Proverbs 10 and verse 15, the rich man's wealth is his fortress. The ruin of a poor man is their poverty. And that has to be understood in light of other biblical teaching. You know, so Solomon is not contradicting other texts which warn against trusting in wealth rather than God, like 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17, if you want to turn there for just a moment. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17, as we look at this uh, principle from, from Paul. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And so, you know, what Solomon is saying is, Nothing in what Solomon says has contradicted that. The point is that he's making is that the rich have resources to handle unforeseen hardships. That's all he's saying. And they can hire, you know, the best medical and legal help. They can, you know, typically they're able to recover more quickly from natural disasters. So he's just observing the realities of, of life. Scripture also teaches us that money is useful in fulfilling our responsibilities to provide for our family. First Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his own household... He is worse than an unbeliever. Uh, so that's how we should be using our, our wealth to to provide that security for our families and for our, our, ourselves. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, and to help those in need as well, not just our families, but those who are in need around us. Proverbs 19 and verse 17, one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed. Uh, so uh, again, the Lord is, is watching He's mindful of how we are using our wealth. Are we doing it to fulfill our responsibilities to our family, to provide for them, uh, trying to find a source of, of revenue so that we can not only earn income for ourselves, but also have something to share, to be gracious to those who are in, in need. And furthermore, those with money can take pleasure in more of the good things God has put into the world for us to enjoy with thankful, thankfulness. Solomon isn't shy. Um, Solomon isn't shy about speaking with regard to the hardships of the poor. He says in Proverbs 19 and verse 7, that all the brothers of a poor man hate him, how much more do his friends abandon him? He pursues them with words, but they are but they are gone. 
Uh, and so again, he's just observing the realities of, of of having money versus being impoverished. So having said all of that, and looking at these these general observations that Solomon makes about wealth, having said all of that, Solomon gives many warnings, many warnings like the rest of Scripture with regard to wealth. Like all the other biblical writers, he is teaching and will teach that godliness is far more important than worldly gain. And that comes through in the Proverbs, not only with regard to, to money, but uh, in other ways, with regard to success or power, whatever the case may be. Proverbs 15 and verse 17, Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. Uh, and so that's one example that we're going to consider where we see, like other, again, inspired writers, Solomon is showing that uh, it is the, the spiritual good, the uh, godliness is more important than having wealth and, and worldly gain. That love, in this case, he says, is it, it's better to have a dish of vegetables around your table where there is love in your family than having a, a fat ox, having an abundance of food, expensive food, yet there be hatred there. So many are tempted to think that, you know, if I just had if I just had more money or if I just had this car or this house or something new, then then I would be then I would be happy. Right. And that's advertisers relish that. I mean, that's exactly what, um, you know, marketing people, that's that's what they're trying to get you to think. Exactly. Right. They're trying to convict you that you need whatever it is they're selling in order to be complete and to be to be happy. Uh, so that is. That is a tact that the enemy uses as, as well. Some some folks use money like a drug, and you know, buying themselves new things in the quest for happiness, it's it's how they get their their high. But they're never satisfied. They're n- never never fully satisfied because those things can't satisfy. Um, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says in Luke chapter twelve, and Solomon says in another place in Ecclesiastes five and verse ten, he says, "Whoever loves money." Never has enough. Think about that. Thousands of years before you and I were ever here, Solomon is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying through Solomon, whoever loves money never has enough. And this is from one of the richest guys who ever lived. Right? So he knows he had money. Now he only had money, but he had lots of other uh, pleasures and, and things at his fingertips as well as he describes in Ecclesiastes. He says, whoever loves money never has enough, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. So it's foolishness to make getting rich your life's goal, just for the sake of getting rich. Despite what advertisers say, material things, money itself, cannot satisfy your deepest spiritual needs. People are depressed, they're unhappy, they're broken spiritually, they're unfulfilled, they're dissatisfied. Because they, throughout their lives, they, they are giving their lives to that which does not satisfy. Either in the pursuit of money or pleasure or power, all of it is fleeting. And wealth is fleeting. You know, specifically as we're thinking about our topic this morning in Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Solomon says, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle. That flies toward the heavens. And so this so this is again from a man who again had money and he acknowledges, as we've seen previously in our study already, he acknowledges the realities of the world and the many benefits there is to having wealth. 
and honestly working with your hands, as we've discussed also in recent weeks, and wisdom on the job. Uh, but he he doesn't hold back from the reality of the the fickleness and and the fleeting nature of wealth and the false hope that it can give people. It is not um, godliness is is more desired. God is should be our our hope. And you know it. Wealth can be lost in the chaotic circumstances of life, thievery, stock market crashes, accidents, medical bills, you know, unforeseen diseases and things like this, oppressive taxation, war, all these things that we have no control over whatsoever. The list could go on and on. And in the final analysis, you can't take it with you into eternity. All the things that you have here, they don't go with you, material things. First Timothy 6, 7, we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. And this is what Jesus wants us to understand when he says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal and moth and rust do not destroy. Well, how do we do that? Well, if you remember what we read in First Timothy 6 and verse 17, just a moment ago, Paul says, instruct them to be rich in good deeds, and in this way, they will have treasure, real treasure laid up for the future after this life. So the way we lay up treasure in heaven is to be obedient here. Submit to God here. Live godly lives now with the understanding that even if I'm physically blessed and have so many things that it's not it's not coming with me and I need to be a good steward of those things and use them to serve God and glorify him and share with others and relieve their needs even if you die rich you will leave it all behind the greatest threat posed by wealth is that the rich man can be tempted to become arrogant trusting his money rather than God we've talked about that already in proverbs 11:28 solomon's reminding us again he who trusts in his riches will fall he who trusts in his riches will fall. That's temporal. You can't buy your way into heaven with, with money. I've never been to Disney World, but I hear tell that when you go there, uh, they, are, they have this, uh, and you guys can write in and tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong about this, but um, I've heard that when you go there, you can't use actual money in the park. You have to purchase something called Disney dollars. Maybe it used to be this way, but you have to purchase Disney dollars, and it's Disney dollars that you use while you are in the the park, uh, and that's all they accept. And if you if you don't um, spend all of your Disney dollars while you're there, well, then you know you can't spend Disney dollars anywhere else. You can't go into Best Buy and say, "Here's my Disney dollars," and buy a TV or something like that, um, or use it at a restaurant. It only works within the park. Disneyland or Disney World. And then once you leave, it's it's useless. Well, that's that's everything that we have here. Okay, all your stuff here in this world, in this life, is Disney dollars. It will be useless once you leave. It means nothing. It means nothing in eternity. And the parable of the sower, the seed of the gospel, is choked out by the deceitfulness of wealth, Matthew 13, 22. So while wealth can serve a purpose, and it can be enjoyed, uh, and should be enjoyed, it is by no means evil in, in itself. 
and it must never become our chief pursuit in life. It must never steal our hearts and become our God. We can't allow it to do that. The wisdom of God and righteousness will always be infinitely more valuable than material wealth. Proverbs fifteen sixteen: Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Proverbs sixteen sixteen: How much better it is to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen above silver. Your character is more important than your bank balance. Proverbs 22.1 A good name is to be more desired than great wealth, and favor is better than silver and gold. Proverbs 19.23 The fear of God brings peace and satisfaction, and material wealth can never offer the same thing that he does. So do you know that peace and satisfaction that God offers through the forgiveness of his son, the hope that that you can have a future beyond this this life. Jesus says in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Do you acknowledge God as the source of every good thing that you have in your life? Are you ready to submit to him? Quit serving money, quit serving other men, quit serving yourself, quit serving things, and the desire for things, and put him first. As Jesus said, seek him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And all the things that he's talking about there in in Matthew 6 are material things, needs that he understands and, and knows that are necessary in this life, food and clothing and shelter. All these things, he says, will be added unto you if you seek first his kingdom. So have you done that? Is it? Are you doing that? Uh, is it the priority in, in your life, obeying Jesus Christ? I certainly hope so. I appreciate you tuning in and hope to study with you again on this same topic next week. And I encourage you to message me with any questions you may have at leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. Comments or suggestions are welcome, of course. Uh, Our website is leonvalleychurch.org, so you can find a contact form there too, as well as some other information and uh, articles and things like this. So uh, feel free to use any of those resources there. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.